being around sports media and a fan of oh my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA, and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week of the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment for the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It's Thursday, August 5th. Bum, bum, bum! We have football. That's right. There's football tonight. Professional football. NFL football, technically speaking. It is the Hall of Fame game, and we're going to preview the Hall of Fame. It's the Hall of Fame game preview podcast. We'll be talking Cowboys and Steelers. The first preseason game in two years is coming up. Um, and, of course, it's you know officially the start of fantasy football draft prep season. There's no better source for daily fantasy information analysis and fantasy football today on CBS Sports HQ. The same podcast crew you love, Jamie, Dave, and Heath. They've been doing it for years. Bring their award-winning approach to fantasy football every day on CBS Sports HQ. Tune in Monday through Friday, noon Eastern on CBSSports.com, the CBS Sports mobile app, or the CBS Sports app on your Roku, Fire TV, Apple TV, and most smart TV slash connected TV devices. Miss a show? No! biggie you can watch all the episodes on demand on the cbs sports app and your connected tv dominate your league with fantasy football today and cbs sports hq thursday at 8 p.m on fox steelers minus one and a half we're gonna break down the cowboys first though joining us to do that cowboys super fan jared dubin just kidding what's up dudes <laughs> i'm doing all right man how about you Mike mccarthy super fan zeke elliott's biggest champion jared dubin oh here comes my dog uh, he's can, very excited for preseason football. You can see it's Bodie, not Brody, right? Bodie, yeah. Bodie, yes. You can see Bodie on uh, on the YouTube, youtube.com slash pick six. Go check it out and subscribe. Hit the I'm like button. Well, there you go. See yourself, Bodie. Lick, <laughs> lick, your, lick your boss's face. All right, so let's get to the Cowboys because they are America's team. They are going to be on Hard Knocks starting next Tuesday. And I think while Dak Prescott's not playing, and I, I want to, we, we touched on that. We started talking about this a little bit before the podcast, but I do think it's interesting that it took Dak's, Dak's shoulder getting sore for Mike McCarthy to declare that Dak would not be playing. Do you think that if Dak, or one, are you worried about Dak's shoulder at all? And two, um, do you think they would have, I think they wanted to trot him out there for a series and let him move around and look healthy. And everybody's like, Oh, Dak's back. Dak's back uh, for, for the national audience. Any thoughts on that? Um, I mean, usually guys don't play very much in these early preseason games, especially when they have an extra preseason game, when you're playing in the hall of fame game, like McCarthy basically said, he'll play in the dress rehearsal, which I think is against the Texans this year. That's like the, typically the third preseason game, but it's the fourth when you have the Hall of Fame game. Um, 
so I think you know he'll be back for that. I don't. I'm not overly worried about the shoulder issue. Apparently, he just tried to you know throw too many deep balls in practice one day, and they're just like we're going to shut it down for a few days. Um, he's not really had shoulder issues or anything like that before the the ankle injury, obviously, which was horrific. But that was like the first real significant injury he's had during his career. Um, if he had a history of shoulder issues, I'd be a little bit more worried but it just kind of seems like they're taking it slow in the comeback. Okay, fair enough. And I think Patrick's reported that, too, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, yeah. That, well, and Mike McCarthy said, too, that it was not – it was weird how it was framed. I think Michael Gelkin uh, initially sent out a tweet that said it was a step back. Um, and that's, I think, what Mike McCarthy was trying to say. And this is where, I mean, look, this part of coaching right. is, you know, you, it's, it's the PR, it's talking to the – the media and all that, but he, he's, I think he was trying to say they're going to take a step back with Dak. Right. And the way it was phrased and the way it came out of his mouth, everybody's like a step back or like a setback. Ah, freak out. And in reality, that's, that's just not the case. So knowing that Dak's not playing, uh, what do you, I mean, what, I think the Cowboys are kind of simple, right? To me, this is not a whole assuming health for the majority of the offensive players, particularly Dak there's no reason this offense won't be good this year or won't be at least statistically productive. Um, defensively though, the Cowboys are concerned. What, what is your, what as a Cowboys fan, what is the one thing you're looking to see or as a Cowboys observer, what is the one thing you're hoping to see, looking to see uh, in this game on, on Thursday evening? I think the most important thing is Tyron Smith making it out of every game healthy. Like <laughs> if, if Tyron Smith and Dak Prescott are healthy for, for 17 games, I think their offense will be very, very good. There's just too much in the way of talent with, you know, what we've seen Dak be able to do over the last few years. And then Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, even guys like, you know, Cedric Wilson, Noah Brown, who I, I still don't understand the team's fascination with Noah Brown, but it's there. Um, you know, Dalton Schultz filled in for Blake Jarwin last year and did pretty well. Jarwin, they're sort of bringing back slowly from the torn ACL that he suffered last year. Like, And then you have Zeke and Tony Pollard and even the Rico Dowdle guy that they like in the backfield. Um, there's so much talent there that you would think they're going to be one of the better offenses in the league as long as Dak is healthy and as long as Tyron is healthy. So, I mean, are you – I mean, do you think that the Cowboys will be – the Cowboys will be good? I mean, will that offense help them be good? The team be good or does that or are those things not necessary are those things I, I think it depends on whether the defense is really bad or just regular bad um you know if they're the 20th best defense in the league i think they'll be a pretty good team if they're the 30th best defense in the league i think it's going to be difficult you know like and i think that somewhere in the middle is probably like the baseline expectation like you would expect guys like Trayvon Diggs and Neville Gallimore to take a step forward um i think Brent Urban who is kind of like an undersized nose tackle type should help them um, just because they really just could not do anything stopping the run last year. And if Randy Gregory is healthy, they'll finally have, you know, a rusher opposite Demarcus Lawrence. Um, I'm worried about the back end of the secondary, like Malik Hooker, I think is pretty easily the best safety on the team, but I mean, can you count on him to play more than two games at this point? Like he's just been, injured every year of his career and I, and I think the depth is somewhat concerning at safety and at corner beyond digs like I don't know that you can count on any of 
Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis, Kelvin Joseph, Nashawn Wright for, you know, above average cornerback play. I think they have, you know, six or seven options and they're hoping they can get two. Um, <laughs> the all it, throw, throw eight guys against the wall and hope that two stick is, is right. Better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not the worst plan in the world. You, you'd want to have better ones, but in the absence of extreme quality, you got to go with quantity and just hope you get average or better play from a few guys, you know, it's, but you know, injury issues at linebacker obviously could come up for them with Leighton Vander Esch, Jalen Smith. Um, what's Micah Parsons going to look like? Um, so I think there, there are a lot of question marks and like potential answers, but no sure answers beyond Demarcus Lawrence, um, Randy Gregory, if he can stay on the field as like a, you know, a secondary rush guy and Trayvon Diggs, who I think had sort of an up and down rookie season, but was much better over the second half of the year and has the look and feel of like a number one or one a type corner. And apparently is looking really good in camp, except when he's going against CD lamb, um, yeah. who is apparently like turning into a well, that's, what, that's what I sort of wonder about the CD lamb stuff. And I, I'm interested to see how that plays out on, on Thursday. Not necessarily that CD lamb is going to you know play 60% or 80% or even 20% of the snaps on Thursday. I wouldn't expect yeah. to see that. Um, or that, you know, Pittsburgh's going to trot out, uh, you know, every defensive scheme they've got. They're going to throw the book at CD Lane. Like it's it's a preseason, it's the Hall of Fame game. It's 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 largely garbage. But I, I am curious. Like, I, I guess what I want to know is because every day is a new CD Lamb highlight from oh, yeah. Dallas Cowboys camp, and I want to know is this because I I mean I, I said on this podcast over and over again, CD Lamb was my third favorite guy in the in the in the draft. I would have taken him third overall, uh, you know, abs- regardless of position and. Um, so I, I'm all aboard the CD Lamb hype train, but I am curious if this is a CD Lamb thing or if this is a Cowboys defense sucks hard thing, and that's why CD Lamb's getting wide open deep every single time. That might not continue as easily um, once the regular season begins. Yeah. So um, I'll say a few things. So CD Lamb um, last year finished with I believe 74 catches for like 935 yards and six touchdowns. Eight guys in NFL history have matched those numbers as a rookie. Uh, when Dak was playing, he was on pace for 96, 1,308, yeah. which would put him on par with, you know, Justin Jefferson and Odell Beckham among, you know, the best rookie seasons Randy Moss. since Randy Moss. Right. Like, he was that good last year. And it's not like that was unexpected. You know, he was, you know, a, a significantly above average athlete with significantly above average production yeah. at Oklahoma. And last year he was limited in terms of what the Cowboys were letting him do. He played, I think, 93% of his snaps in the slot. And he barely played in the slot when he was at Oklahoma. Now in practice, they're letting him play on the outside. Obviously, some of that is Amari Cooper being on the, the pup list, but supposedly he's uh, getting back here soon. Demarcus Lawrence came back earlier this week. Uh, Amari will supposedly be back either right before or right after the second preseason game when they go back to Dallas from Oxnard. But I mean, CD, like it makes sense that he's coming in and looking dominant in, in practice. Like the dude is just a really good player. And you saw it last year, even with the quarterback out for, you know, two thirds of the season, he's good. Like, I would not be surprised if he was the best receiver on the team. And like, you know, we, we did the, you know, the top 10 wide receiver things earlier in the off season and like, 
I would not be surprised if CeeDee Lamb was on that list next year. He was one of the guys that I was like, yeah, he could easily next year receiver in the NFL. Um, But but I, but again, I am curious. So like that, that's the other thing too. Just speaking, stay on the the CD Lamb's gonna be awesome. I mean, I I don't I don't doubt that whatsoever. Um, But I am, but the defense specifically, I'm 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 kind of curious to see how they look. Not necessarily are they going to be good. Can they slow down Pittsburgh and you know what we expect to be Mason Rudolph and and Dwayne Haskins, right? Like I'm sure they you know they'll probably slow themselves down. But I'm curious to see how does that defense look in terms of comfort level in this new scheme with Dan Quinn, because you're trying to run a cover three and, you know, cover three usually works better if you have an all pro safety on the back end, <laughs> you can, you know, two all pro safeties and two really tall, you know, all pro cornerbacks. That's, that's mm-hmm. you've sort of come to discover. It's a little more effective when you have elite, elite secondary guys. Right. Yeah. And look, they don't have that um, flat think- out. Um, I, I was um, intrigued to find that Quinn actually ran a bit more cover two over the last few years than he ever had previously. Not a lot of snaps, but I think it was, you know, like 15, 20% or something like that. And some more cover one as well, like 15, 20% along those lines. So it's not as strict of a, you know, cover three and cover three only right. like it was in the early days. I do think that for some of their corners, it makes like, I think Diggs is better when he plays off and can see stuff develop in front of him. Kelvin Joseph is kind of the other way. He's better when he's like in your face and pressing you up in the line of scrimmage. So I'll be interested to see sort of the mix there. Yeah. I don't know that you're going to see a ton of the starters in this game on, on either side anyway. Like, See, it's, so it's, you it's don't have to you, learn from the early preseason games. Yeah, I know, but you don't think that because it's weird. You don't want guys to get hurt. You guys don't, you know, but I mean, you're talking of some pretty important snaps you could get for Kelvin Joseph and Micah Parsons. Or oh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the rookies. I would like I would be very surprised if Demarcus Lawrence was on the field at yeah. all, considering he just came back from the pup list. I would be surprised if we saw you know, like Randy Gregory, Leighton Vanderesh for more than you know two, three series, something like that. Like you know, the offensive linemen they'll get their two, three series with Garrett Gilbert or whatever it is. Like I would not expect to see a ton of those guys. Um, but you know the the rookies, uh, the second year guys like Diggs, a few series, something like that. Like you know the the rookies they drafted, um, uh, Chauncey Golston, um, what's his name, uh, Oso Digizua, um, Quentin Bohanna, the nose tackle. Like I, I would expect you'll see a bunch of those guys. You know, down roster guys like you know the linebacker they like Francis Bernard, things like that, and you know mix in the safeties to see are any of those guys gonna be able to play. But like you're not seeing the first team defense out there for like two quarters where you can really get an idea. That's just not what these early preseason games are about. Even the hall of fame game, which is like hyped up more. Um, And I'm sure Jerry Jones would like it if all those guys were on TV a lot, but uh, it's, it's too early for that. And it's just too much of a risk, right? Yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. I do think though. And look, the Cowboys used their first pick on offense was in the Cowboys had so many draft picks this year. Um, I think Josh Ball, the tackle from Marshall, was their first first pick in the the fourth round. So you're talking about uh, multiple third round picks um, as well as a first and second round pick that they used on defense. And I think to me, that's the biggest thing to watch for for the Cowboys is will those guys get significant playing time? And if they do, the rookies, how do they do they look like they can acquit themselves at an NFL level already? Because they are going to be a big 
factor in whether or not Dallas is, you know, trying to make the playoffs or a potentially dominant team. Because if those rookies are good and Dan Quinn can get the most of them defensively, and like you say, you can get a top 20 defense or, a, you know, top 20 to 25 defense in Dallas, then all of a sudden there's reason to believe that this team has legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. Yeah, I mean, so I think I would caution just like rookies generally are not very good. Oh. Um, I think it's That's especially unlikely. Like, defense will be very good because they have right. to up to like, rookie corners too. Generally, are not very good, which was why it was encouraging to see Diggs play a lot better over the second half of the season. Yep. Like they they do seem to be using Micah Parsons in like a lot of different roles in camp. Like sometimes he's playing the mic, sometimes he's working as an edge rusher. I saw. Um, Jeff Kavanaugh from Dallas radio being like, yeah, I saw him lined up like over the nose as a stand-up rusher. Like, so they're, they're trying to move him around. That's a lot to put on a rookie's plate, especially since he's not a guy that did a lot in coverage in college. And generally these days, your linebackers have to be like a level coverage players in order to be on the field for all three downs. Um, so I'm just I'm interested to see what the mix is at linebacker, I guess. Yeah. Because like how often are Jalen and Van Der Esch and Parsons and um Keanu Neal, who they brought in, who it keeps getting smoked by Dalton Schultz. Safety, uh but is really more like a he's, he's working exclusively with the linebackers. Oh, he is okay. Uh, All right. Yeah. Uh but he keeps getting smoked by Dalton Schultz in coverage uh in training camp videos. So oh, on the depth chart as a linebacker. Yeah, he's only a linebacker. Uh, I know he's still wearing number 42. Yeah, are irrelevant these days. Yeah, linebackers can do that. Um, and then uh, Jabril Cox, who they drafted also, but supposedly he's not getting that much work with the ones, but is a, you know, coverage is his strength. He's like a safety sized linebacker, kind of like Neil, I guess, or maybe even smaller. But they got a lot of bodies there, but not any real solutions based on the way, you know, Jalen has played the last couple of years and Van Der Esch being hurt all the time. And, you know, Parsons just with not a lot of experience, he wasn't even really a linebacker until I think either late in high school or college, he might've switched from running back if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to watch what they do at that position for sure. Yep. I think that's what we're looking for uh, this evening for the Cowboys. Uh, how does the defense look? How do the young players look? What, uh, what can, what, what can we expect from Dan Quinn? And I'm sure that, uh, we'll get ready for a lot of carries from like Rico Dowdle. <laughs> Rico Dowdle. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, uh, he's like a big guy from TCU. Um, I took the under in this game. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think preseason unders are probably generally good like 33 and a half and you're gonna have pretty bad quarterback play generally in the preseason so like why not go under in that situation all right well glad you approve uh dude as always buddy thanks for uh thanks for chatting cowboys and we will uh talk to you soon man thanks for having me man have a good one all right good stuff from dubin on the cowboys there a lot to look forward to in this Matchup coming up after the break. Brian Diardo tells us what to look for on the Steelers side of things. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Perhaps a far more interesting team than the Dallas Cowboys, which is not something you would expect to say, right? Um, anyway, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the other side of the ball. Joining us to break it down, Brian Diardo. Diardo, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Good. Well, we're talking modern-day football. I don't know about this. We don't have to dust off the VHSs. We're getting right into 2021. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, I mean, look, football's here. It's Thursday. Yes. It's the Hall of Fame game. The NFL... No preseason last year, so they'd come back in a big way with the Cowboys versus the Steelers. Uh, if you were picking, maybe Packers-Steelers or Packers-Cowboys would be bigger. And this is pretty close to the biggest, like, uh, you know, uh, in terms of just generically or generally interesting, I guess would be the word. You know, not generically. Generally interesting. To the general populace, this might be the most I- intriguing game from a brand perspective, right? Yeah, I think it maybe if you went away from from those two teams, you might go, well, take away the Steelers, Cowboys, Packers would be exciting just from those two brands and all the history and all that stuff. Now, if you're going local, uh, man, I'll say this. I think there would be more action in the stands and on the field if you had Cleveland and Pittsburgh up there on Thursday night because both teams are obviously really close to there. That area is really mixed in terms of their football loyalties. I would pay money to see that in the stands. There's probably a reason why they don't have that. But, yeah, it's great. Cowboys, Steelers, the Super Bowl history. Fan bases are massive. I think combined they have eight Hall of Fame representatives this weekend, which I'm sure was another reason why they wanted those two fan bases there because they know they travel and they'll be there for the rest of the Hall of Fame uh, festivities. Absolutely. I mean, that's you know that's how they sort of tailor these games is around yeah. those, those, those Hall of those guys that are going in Canton. You want all the inductees from those two teams to be, you know, to be surrounded by their fans, and, and they should be. When, when you look at this game from a Steelers perspective, we talked about with Dubin, you know, we, we know we're not going to see Dak. Uh, that was sort of a – I again, I felt like it was almost like a late scratch. Like they kind of wanted yeah. to run Dak out there until the shoulder thing happened. Um, there was never a chance that Mike Tomlin was going to waste – Big Ben's arm on this game. I didn't think. I mean, I, I thought I thought Ben was always going to be out. Uh, that that was, don't you think that was the, the, you know that was that was going to be the case for Pittsburgh no matter what, right? Yeah, a million percent. I don't think the last. I could be wrong. I think the last time Ben played in a first preseason game was maybe 
No, in 15, he played in the second game. They were in the Hall of Fame game that year. Yeah. Then he played, I think, one play against Jacksonville, and it was a touchdown. They took him right out. They hit, hit more <laughs> Davis, and it was like that. Him, him, A.B., Le'Veon, they were on the field together for like one play, and that was it. So, yeah, it was never going to be a thought that, that Ben was going to be in this game. Now, the big intrigue was who was going to start the game. Mm. There's been a lot of rumblings it was going to be uh, Dwayne Haskins because of how well he's looked but they still went with Mason's. So he'll start the game. Dobbs will probably come in late first quarter, early second quarter, and he'll probably play through maybe the first drive in the third quarter, and then Dobbs will finish it out. So that was kind of the big intrigue was who's going to get that initial crack at the game. It's going to be Mason, and then you'll, you'll see Haskins after that. Well, I mean, look, the, you know, the bottom line is Ben is old. I mean, you yes. know, and I know that the rumors of him being more diligent about his diet than Tom Brady are out there losing all the weight out there. And that's fine. Um, that's a wonderful preseason, offseason narrative. Sure. Ben, ben missed almost an entire season two years ago because of an arm injury. I don't, it doesn't right. matter. I don't care if he's jamming 14 avocados down his, in his face. <laughs> like, you know, it's still I'm more worried about the arm and all, and all the passing attempts he had last year. Now, a lot of them were short, so that's maybe not as concerning. But I do think if you're a Steelers fan, you have to you know, you are intrigued by this backup quarterback battle. I mean, this is something to watch, right? Well, it is. And, and I love the fact that Dobbs isn't shying away from it. He told the local media, uh, I believe on Tuesday that, yeah, I want to make this a battle for number two. I mean, the big wow. talk when they signed him, honestly, it was going to be between him and Dobbs for the third position. Mason hasn't had a good camp and we just talked off fair. You can only put so much stock into that. It's still early. You don't know. Uh, people forget that we didn't have preseason last year to, to, to compare this to. Um, I would still give Mason that front runner position, but Dobbs has certainly put heat on him, and he's been very public about how he wants to. You mean Dobbs? You mean Haskins? I'm sorry, I meant Haskins. Okay. Yeah, Haskins has put the pressure on Mason, and he said, you know, on Tuesday that he he and the Steelers have had talks about potentially if things go well that he will have a chance to compete to be Ben's successor if and when Ben does step down. If this is Ben's last year, so. There's a lot riding, you know, for Mason. He's turned in what could be an otherwise boring game into a game of intrigue in terms of that quarterback position. The thing I'm going to look out for, though, for for, for uh, Haskins has always been the turnovers, where he gets into these games and he doesn't perform well. He, he had more interceptions in Washington than touchdowns. Mason, for all his faults, he takes care of the football. Mason, it, it makes usually the smart football decision. Neither quarterback is mobile, so no one's going to win that battle. Um, right. And I think both have good command of the huddle. So I would still give Mason the edge, even though Haskins has had a better training camp so far. I, I should, um, I should, I should uh, reveal uh, something that um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not thrilled about doing. I may have had a cocktail or two when I made this wager with somebody. <laughs> uh, it was, it was, uh, and Debo will laugh at this. I have Debo. I haven't even heard this yet either. Um, I bet somebody that. Dwayne Haskins would have, I think it's more starts than Carson Wentz beginning with this year, which in hindsight, terrible. It was before Wentz had been traded to the Colts, which was the worst possible landing spot. And before Haskins, I guess Haskins had been released. But you know what? Maybe, so So I, I'm an avid Haskins watcher as well. I mean, the, the guy had a pedigree coming out of college. You know right. what I mean? He only played one year, but had a monster year at Ohio State. Was a first right. round pick, highly rated recruit. I mean, highly rated recruit, highly rated draft prospect for a lot of people. And Pittsburgh picked him up for nothing. So, yeah, I, I know that he was a, a knucklehead with the, with Washington. But, you know, this is the type of move that good franchises make where if Haskins were to work out as the long-term successor for Ben, my goodness, I mean, what a, 
you know, it would be an unbelievable steal for Pittsburgh in that. It, it would. And I, I, one thing on, on Haskins too, and, and obviously Steeler fans know this, they really struggled to throw the ball deep last year. Some of that was Ben, but some of that was the drops or, or whatever it was. That's the thing about Haskins that he's impressed with, with training camp is his deep ball precision has been much better than Mason. And I actually went to the last uh, Haskins last regular season game at Ohio State. I had end zone seats, which I was pretty cool. It's like playing Madden, right? You get that end zone view. Yeah. The pockets he had to throw were unreal. I yeah. mean, OSU was had one loss here. They won the Rose Bowl. He was throwing the Paris Campbell and guys that are now in the NFL. I think he went from that to Washington where the line wasn't that great. He had Terry McLaren from Ohio State, so he had that compatibility, but nothing really else. I think that's a huge culture shock for any young quarterback, let alone a guy like that who is drafted that high, doesn't have any chance to watch. I think now he has a much better understanding of what the NFL is. And Matt Canada's offense, I, and I, I would expect some deep shots tomorrow to see if Mason can or Haskins can translate the training camp precision and deep throws into a regular season game against defensive backs he doesn't know. But I think you'll also see a lot of the quick slants, a lot of the stuff he did well in at Ohio State. That's the stuff that the Steelers want to do next year as well. And I think they'll ask him to do both on Thursday night. Well, and uh, that the sort of nice segue into what I think is another important thing to watch. I don't know how many snaps we'll see from Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, these starting wide receivers. I, I would expect, you know, you're, they're going to try and get snaps for some of the, the guys on the you know, second, third string, et cetera. But I am curious, you know, you mentioned Matt Canada. He is, he's bounced around a bunch. This is, I believe, his first ever uh, NFL coordinating gig. He was here in Raleigh, actually. He was the uh, the uh, the coordinator for NC State for a while. Um, I'm curious to see what his offense looks like and how, you know, I didn't think Randy Fickner was that great last year. I, I don't think I'm alone. Steelers fans will probably. You're not. You are not alone there. Yeah, Steelers, There's a lot of people in that fan club, yes, or anti-fan club. <laughs> there are a lot of people on the Randy Fickner sucks bandwagon. I'm just curious to see what Matt Canada's offense looks like and how much, what kind of idea we'll get from it. And, you know, if he, is he going to be using a ton of pre-snap note motion? You know, is he going to have guys lined up in different spots? Is he going to have, you know, multiple options with, with the running back position there? You know, Jalen Samuels, I think he coached in Raleigh I believe I could be wrong about that um you know will he use the passing game with the running backs more so uh, what are you sort of expecting from Matt Canada uh offense wise and and what are you going to be looking for in, in that regard well the thing that I'm going to be looking for, and I think this is one of the issues with, with Finkner was I mean Ben and Finkner were kind of more like drinking buddies or, or yeah. buddies as opposed to because I mean Finkner I think was a homeless, that, a homeless man's Bruce Arians or something. Yes, it, yeah, exactly. You're right, right. I think he said last year he hadn't gone out since Courtney started in March or something. He had that beard and everything, but but I think sometimes he deferred too much to Ben, or it was just like it was Ben's offense. And and Villanueva said it when he went to Baltimore that you know it. That was, I think, part of the issue with the Steelers' offensive line last year is how predictable they got. And Villanueva is like, it's already hard enough to block Miles Garrett. Well, Miles Garrett knows it's going to be a pass. Mm. It's impossible. It's game over. So I think what I'm looking, uh, what I'm looking forward to seeing is, or, or to see what, if it happens, is more of a uh, determination to run the ball. And you, you're reading it a lot. The word that they're using in Pittsburgh for their offensive line is physical. They want to get back to being a physical team that's going to that's going to wear you down systematically with the running game. I think some of the things that Finkner had last year, Chase Claypool with the Jets news, they did that a lot last year. They did a lot of bubble screens. That stuff won't go away, but I think what they're really going to try to work on more is not 
getting away from the running game. I don't think it'll be 50-50, but it can't be 65-35 like it was last year. They've got to get it somewhere to a 55-45, something like that. So I think – and Najee Harris has already said, and Tomlin already said, it, he's going to play in every preseason game. So you're going to see a lot of that. And I think one guy that I think Canada really likes is Anthony McFarland from Maryland. And I think he's going to be fighting to, to keep his spot because they've got a good running back battle with Samus, who you mentioned, with and then Kalen Balash, who's come in and, and has done pretty well too. But they like McFarland a lot. So you'll see some more things on the outside. But I'm, I think you're going to see a much bigger commitment to the running game that you didn't see last year. So you expect – Najee Harris to play, and it's not out of this. It's not outrageous to to play. You know, we talked about with, with the Cowboys. I mean, they got a bunch of defensive players who are rookies who need snaps and need experience. The one difference is with Najee Harris. You know, I mean, the, the if they're going to make him a true bell cow, and that's what you were led to believe they're going to do by Mike Tomlin's. Uh, but first of all, where they drafted him. Second of yeah. all. You know, Mike Tomlin's comments about it, like this guy is going to be our horse, our workhorse. Um, you know, if, if that's the case, then you don't want to waste carries in the preseason. So I, I'm just how much do you expect to see of Najee Harris? I, yeah, I don't think you might see him in maybe most two possessions a game, maybe something like that. Maybe th- there will be one game in the preseason where they'll probably have Ben and, and the starters play a half just to get some continuity. I think the last time they they had a preseason in 19. They did that against the Titans where they, they played a half. I think it was the third preseason game they did that. So I would expect the Steelers to do something like that. But outside of that, maybe two two possessions a game. I think what the Steelers want to, to see is how good is Najee in pass protection. He's done really well on their backs-on-backers drills. He hasn't won all of his one-on-ones, but Tom Wynn said he loves to fight. in, in hot, not A lot of running backs don't have appetite for that. Like, let's be honest. And I, and I love Jalen Samuels. He hates he hates that that. Uh, matchup so Najee likes it so I think they want to see what he can do on third down to see if he could be a third down guy his hands have been really impressive in camp which he even said he goes guys like I am a I played receiver that was something that was almost a knock against him during the draft that he didn't have a huge accumulation of catches in college that was something that they kind of held against him so I think they want to see what he could do maybe in third down situations and to see is he going to be more of a North guy, North and South runner, or can we get him to the outside? So I think they kind of want to get a better idea of, and obviously, as, as you know, they want to build that chemistry with that offensive line. That is a rebuilt offensive line, which has had its good days in camp and it's had its ugly days. So I think they're going to try to build some, some chemistry. But I agree, Will. When I first heard that, that, that the plan is to have him in four preseason games, then you tack on the 17 regular season games before even we get to the regular season. That's 21 games for Najee Harris. I'm a little bit leery of that. That's why I don't think they're going to have him play a ton of, of snaps during the preseason, even though he'll be in all the games. By the way, uh, Matt Canada did coach Jalen Samuels at NC State. He was there for two years. Mm-hmm. And then he also coached Anthony McFarland at Maryland. That's mm-hmm. kind of wild. You don't that see is. very often where uh, uh, the offensive coordinator for a football team was the offensive coordinator for two of two of his running backs. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, experience with the guys is good. I, you know, it's just, it just means he's bounced around several It's times. a bad thing for Benny Snell, who didn't have him as a coordinator, or Kalen Balazs, and that's not good news for them. And, and uh, but no, I mean, and Samuels, listen, I mean, Samuels had that one great game against New England in 18 when he rushed for a buck 40. Ever since then, he, the running game really hasn't been there. But, uh, you know, He's a good receiver. I want to say in 19, he was either first or second on the team in receptions. So the dude can catch the ball. Health has been kind of a thing, along with the fact that he's kind of a one-trick pony. But, yeah, I still think he's got a good shot. He's a guy I'm looking forward to seeing in the preseason. And, again, that's why I wouldn't waste that many 
snaps with Harris. He's going to be your starter. Let's see who's going to fill out the rest of your depth chart at running back during the preseason. Yeah, uh, sticking with the offense really quickly, because you, you referenced the offensive line. I do think that's a big deal. I, I, you, both you and Ryan Wilson, who are, uh, you know, Steelers, Steelers fans. And I, I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, right? Like sure. I mean, you guys, you guys, I've always rooted for the Steelers. You guys are objective sure. journalists. You're good at your job, but you are Steelers fans. You're the only two people I've heard who are optimistic about this offensive line. And, and the approach has been like, it's better than last year, which almost feels like a last year. It really sucked this year. We are crossing our fingers and hoping it sucks less. Am I reading into that correctly? And uh, I sort of wonder what you're hoping to glean from tonight's game uh, as it relates to the offensive line. Well, I, yeah, I want to see if we can get something out or the Steelers can get something from the young guys that they have on that offensive line. I mean, I know that there's been with Turner, who they, who they just signed, his camp has been kind of up and down. So, uh, you know, they obviously had to sign him with DeCastro leaving right away. But, I mean, Kendrick Green's going to start, which that's going to be, uh, I think, for Steelers fans, an exciting thing to see. He's going to be wearing 53. So fans at home, Marquise Pouncey did not come out of retirement Kendrick Green's wearing 53 now, so just I'm getting that out right now. Don't you know? So don't mean to burst your bubble, but they really liked him, and I think a lot of Steelers fans were surprised in the second round when they went to Fryermuth, the tight end, who I also uh, am looking forward to watching because he's had a really good camp as well and might challenge Ebron for some snaps. We will challenge Ebron there. That's not a debate. Uh, but I think Kendrick Green is someone that that I'm looking forward to seeing, and also uh, you know Dan Moore, who's coming back and and was I think last year the highest guy drafted that wasn't in, invited to the combine, a fourth-round guy last year. So, And they drafted a couple other guys in the offensive line. B.J. Finney was their best uh, center-slash-guard backup before they lost him to Seattle, and things just fell apart. He had a, a weight gain issue. They were able to re-sign him in the offseason. So I think they're, that their starters, I'm okay with. Zach Banner was good last year before he obviously tore his ACL in week one, and, and, and you know I think he'll be fine. But the guy that I really am looking forward to seeing is Kendrick Green and B.J. Finney because they're going to need more depth uh, behind their starters. That's really my big fear with the Steelers' offensive line is their depth behind these guys. So I'm looking forward to seeing how many of those guys pan out during this preseason. Okay, I dig it. Let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball. You know, this unit doesn't – I mean, I feel pretty confident. It's it's hard to project year-to-year – uh, progression, regression, defensive performance. You know, like the Bills are a good example last year. Bills have a very good defense. They should be much better this year. They stunk last year. It just sort of happens, even with good defenses. I feel like when you look at the Steelers, there's no reason to expect a huge drop-off for any reason. Uh, they didn't invest a ton of high draft picks at all uh, on the defensive side of the ball, but they have talent at every level. Anything you're looking forward to seeing on uh, in tonight's game defensively, maybe a pass rusher emerging that would I guess, or secondary players. That's sort of what I, I would be looking for, I think. Right. Oh, Dotson was the guy last year, the lineman. Dan Moore's the, the rookie lineman they got this year. To clear oh, right, right, right. One thing I'm, I, I'm looking forward to seeing the, the, the secondary because they lost Steven Nelson, which was, everybody was surprised with that. And then they lost Mike Hilton, their nickelback, who, who was an undrafted guy in 17 that really became a nice – a uh, little spark plug for their secondary blitzed a lot. They lost him to Cincinnati. The thought was that Cam Sutton was going to fill that nickelback spot. He actually is going to replace Nelson. So now the question is, who's going to be that nickelback guy? And there's been uh, James Pierre, who was undrafted this past year. Uh, he's the front runner right now. He had, I think, two 100 plus, two pick sixes in recent practices uh, oh. of 100 yards. 
roughly. So 107 and 97, I think, is what they were. So he stepped into that role pretty well. So I'm excited to see him. Uh, Shakur Brown, who I know Ryan Wilson had a third-round grade out of Michigan State. He wasn't even drafted. He was an undrafted pickup. So those are just two of the guys that are going to be competing for that nickelback spot. And Trey Norwood, another cornerback the Steelers drafted late in the draft, he'll be a guy with Joe Hayden inactive. Hayden's inactive, and uh, Cam Hayward's inactive as well. So with those inactives, uh, Isaiah Loudermilk, defensive end from Wisconsin, who I think some Steeler fans were not really happy about that selection, but the Steelers. How dare you draft a defensive player in the fifth round, right? Like, well, right, exactly. But I mean, the, the Steelers, the, the motivation behind that selection was they had success with TJ Watt from Wisconsin in that same defensive scheme. They think Loudermilk is not necessarily a talent guy, but a guy that can play well in that scheme. Gotcha. So I think now if Hayward being out, Loudermilk's going to get a lot more reps. And now I think with with Pierre versus Shakur Brown, I think that's going to be a, a big matchup. And Antoine Brooks is in there as well. So I'm actually interested in seeing how good that secondary is going to be because all of a sudden now the AFC North has become a division with Burrow coming up and Baker and Lamar Jackson. You have to have a good secondary uh, to have any kind of success in this league in general, not just the AFC North. No, that's a good point. So, so in other words, you think we're probably going to see almost all the veteran players on the on the defensive side of the ball and probably the offensive side of the ball minimal snaps at, at most in this first game and then take looking for because it feels like I don't know that the Steelers need to get rookie production they have enough veterans there I mean with Najee Harris and, and Fryermuth you know you, you need you need them to play well but it feels like for the, other than those two guys most of the rookies are going to be depth but if you can get them out there in this game and they look sharp you start to feel a little bit better about your chances right Right. I will say this, too, uh, back on the offensive line. I think one guy that might need some reps is Chuck's Korofor because he now is going to be the left tackle. This is actually kind of crazy. So Villanueva actually had the longest consecutive starting streak of any Steeler from 15 through last year. It was over 90 consecutive starts. He he took over for Beecham in week six of that year, never left the lineup. So they've had the same left tackle. And think about all the numbers Ben had during that era during that time, all the pro bowls and success yep. he had with AB and all those guys had the league in passing. Yeah. Yeah. That was his left tackle. So he's gone. And now, uh, or four was the right tackle. Now he's moving over, over to left tackle. I actually wouldn't be surprised if he gets significant reps because as everybody knows, I mean, that's protecting the quarterback's blind side. So that's actually a position where I think he's good. He's solid yet unspectacular. So I think that's a guy that, that is going to need considerable reps. Uh, but I agree with you. There won't be a, a ton of action uh, from the starters. One guy I also wanted to throw in, Buddy Johnson, AM last year. And I don't watch a ton of college football, but AM's defense ha- was really good last year in the SEC. And they had a bunch of guys get drafted, and the Steelers grabbed Buddy Johnson from that defense. With Vince Williams retiring, I think part of that was, I think he knew that the Steelers are actually have some underrated depth at inside linebackers. So, I think you're going to see quite a bit of Buddy Johnson because they know what they've got from Robert Spillane. He filled in last year when Devin Bush got hurt. You might see a little bit of Devin Bush because he's going to be coming off that injury. Uh, You might see some Deontay Johnson because he had the drops last year. So you might see some of him, and you're going to see a lot of Ray Ray McLeod and maybe even some James Washington. But you won't see much Juju. You won't see much Claypool. Uh, and you, I, I mean, you shouldn't see much Mika Fitzpatrick because if that guy gets hurt, that defense is in big, big trouble. You might see a little bit of Stefan Tuitt more than you would think because his brother passed away. He came to camp out of shape, understandably. So nobody was 
hard on him because of that, but he's working his way into playing shape. So you actually might see him get some extensive time, but yeah, very little big Ben, very little skill positions uh, during the preseason. All right. I dig it. This is uh this, this chat with you and Dubin's got me kind of amped up about this preseason game. Uh, as I told Dubin before the break, before you came on, I took the under. So uh, we'll see how quickly I regret taking that. Um, if and if and when these defensive players don't play, I mean, what is the under set at? What is the under set 30, at? Thirty three and a half, pretty low. I predicted I'm going like twenty three seventeen. Oh no! So I'm going, yeah, I'm going way over. So I need to, I need to dust off my betting prowess here and get back at, at it. So well, I mean, <laughs> I'll let you know about the third quarter, third or fourth quarter when I'm when I'm. <laughs> yeah, let me know. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you got it right or wrong. All right, Diardo. Thanks as always, man. Appreciate the time and uh, look forward to football tonight, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.